All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great, Andy. You know, it's been a nice uh, beginning to the summer. I think you and I have both enjoyed ourselves lately. It's been nice to have a bit of a break from the grind that is being the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. But obviously there's been some news lately that uh, that gets us back to work, I think, a little bit. And it's not all pleasant, but it's it's the challenges you roll with when you have the privilege of being an Oregon State men's basketball supporter. And we'll be here no matter what. So it's good to be sitting down again. Can I, uh, can I pull back the veil and ask you a question? Sure. Why, why are you lying? You've been berating me to do a <laughs> podcast for weeks now. I've been enjoying my summer. I was in Tahiti. I'm having a great time. You are... Okay, fine. Full disclosure, yes. With that, you were very lucky this happened during your Tahiti vacation, and I frankly just had to white knuckle through it. But I hope all those text messages hit you at 4.30 in the morning, you they all did. They were very distressful to wake up to. Um, you did respond in fairness. You didn't, you didn't, you know, turn your back to it. That's true. Um, yeah, Sam's talking about Oregon State losing our coach, uh, Tim Shelton, resigning, citing NIL as the reason. According to an Oregon Live article, we've gotten some pushback on that, maybe on personal fronts. But We'll get into all that. We'll let Sam bear his grievances. We'll let him explain to me why this is an emergency podcast, because Sam insists that it is, even though it's two weeks late. We'll get into all of it and more. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. It's 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 medicinal at times. The it, the it, the it can serve any purpose that that it needs to that song. But right now, it's it's a bit of medicine for me. All right, so let's jump into it. Let's get into the controversy that's engulfing the nation right now. All eyes turned away from the sea towards Oregon State. Everyone's forgotten about the billionaire submarine. Everyone's talking about Tim Shelton leaving Oregon State after one year on the staff to join Colorado State as an assistant coach. He's uh paying a $50,000 buyout to get out of the rest of his contract to join Colorado State, a school that's in the Mountain West Conference. Yes. Um, Sam, what does this mean for the program, for the team, for your general mental health? How are you handling the news? One quick clarification that I did, I can't remember who who pointed this out to me, but Colorado State is footing the bill for that $50,000 buyout. So take that for what you will, but you joke about it. Imagine how it was for me the morning after this news broke, telling people, first of all, you're in Tahiti. You think I was able to go to the grocery store unharassed in that time? It was a, you know, it took us all by surprise. This is a very unusual thing. I can't really think of another example of this happening to a school, let alone specifically a men's basketball program. Well, hopefully it happens to U of O because the word on the street is that Cal Perry has one last spot open on his Kentucky roster and the assistant coach at U of O is the prime candidate to jump ship for it. Well, and they've also had portal guide, the Texas, or Cambridge rather, yeah, flip Mm. from them to Texas Tech. We'll talk about U of O a little later. Yes. It's, yeah, it's not all fun and games at at their end of town either, by the way. We will be getting to them. Yeah, the state of Oregon is taking it hard on all angles yeah what stands out about this is that 
Tim Sheldon comes in. He's one of the younger coaches. He had a lot of success at San Diego State as a player. Um, has done well, really well for himself. Obviously, he's the son of Oregon State legend Lonnie Sheldon. Um, it seemed like a really natural fit. He had a huge part to play in a lot of the recruiting. A lot of people are crediting um, him, giving him a large role in retaining Jordan Pope this year, like kind of being a Pope whisperer. Really popular with the player. Seems like when you were watching the games, he was kind of in the middle of the bench. Seems like he was doing a great job. So first and foremost, I think it's just a loss from a personnel standpoint. He's the type of guy you want around the program. I think he did a good job. But what does it mean that a player, a coach like that uh, leaves Oregon State? I I mean, obviously, this is a very upsetting thing. And first and foremost, I think you and I agree it's upsetting because we were fans of him. It made sense as a great hire for all the reasons you just said. And, and just watching him interact with players, you feel like that's someone you want on your staff. And he seemed to be a good recruiter. And um, I, I, the people we've talked to, I think there's been varying levels of anger with him. And um, I, I, I think that's fair. But just being fair to all fronts. I mean, it's upsetting first and foremost, because he's a good coach and the, um, the reasons he give are unusual and how, no matter how angry you are with him, there is part of me that wants to point out, he did just have a two year deal. Like he could have just stayed one more year and then made the decision to leave after his contract was over. But regardless of how you feel about that, the reasons are that he gave are what's worth talking about. And, um, Different people that we've talked to have different reactions to this, which is what I think is interesting, too. Yeah. So he, he said it was a great experience um, from the minute he got there. That's a little quote from the article. Uh, shout out to Nick Dashel, who didn't text us back. Interesting, Nick. I'm sure you're just busy, but me and Sam will be popping down to the laundromat to see you face to face very yeah, soon. Yeah. You think that we have enough shame to not try you again, Nick? No, of course not. Well, you'll be hearing from from me again at some point. You're our guy. Uh, Nick Dash was the one who wrote the piece, but in it, you know, Sheldon, very effusive of the coaching staff, talking about how much you can see people grow, especially after every single practice, talked about how much Coach Wayne Tinkle let him grow, said he couldn't have asked for more, but he did put it all on um, really kind of like on NIL opportunities. He framed it in a really positive way. He said, this is the quote, his quote from the article, you're trying to make yourself more aware of how to be a successful recruiter and how to retain your talent. My biggest fear is that guys here don't feel like we have enough resources to keep them. <laughs> that Sam's, just, Sam's choking yeah, to right. death. I, I don't need to hear it out loud. Physically handle hearing those things well. Um, it is a tough to swallow when you see Glenn Taylor go across the country to St. John's, which is undoubtedly a school that has more money in its NIL program. It's tough. You heard it on the Three Man Week podcast when they did their Pac-12 preview. Shout out to those guys that actually really, for the first time, really aligned with what I thought was going to happen this year too, uh, which makes me feel like maybe I'm getting smarter. Um, but they talked about how Oregon State's kind of in danger of becoming essentially a farm system or a farm league for bigger schools. And you look at that in context with, will the Pac-12 even be together in a year after the U LA schools leave and other schools kind of poaching around? San Diego State just declared that they're not uh, like 100% committed to go into the Pac-12 or just, or at least saying, hey, we don't have like a, a written commitment, you know. So it, it makes you wonder, does Oregon State end up playing Tim Shelton <laughs> in three years in the Mountain West? It, it's a it's a very it's, real possibility. I mean, there's, with so much uncertainty, is like this, this is not what you want to be speculating on. And for me, I feel like, 
because I know that Coach Shelton did not want it to go this way. Uh, um, you know, I don't think that's a secret. No, yeah. He, did, he didn't want his exit to look like this. And I don't know how it ended up happening this way, but we love Nick Dashiell too. I don't think he took any liberties. I don't think anybody's saying that Coach Shelton didn't say I, these I things. Think, I think what we're both trying to say is no one is wrong. We love everybody. Everything is fine. Absolutely. That's our big message in all this. We feel very in the middle of a lot of this right now. Oh, um, yeah. Just to make it about us. Uh, I think, right, honestly. This is hardest for us. I mean, <laughs> no one's saying that, that, something different than that. Yeah, I think what really, what stands out from this story, and this, we've seen, through this podcast, we've seen some great moments of Oregon State basketball in the last three or four years and some absolutely terrible moments. To me, this is the most alarming moment when I just think about general resources being allocated to the basketball team, what a red flag it is to lose your assistant coach to a smaller school in a smaller conference in the middle of the summer like this. That just gives overall, because he doesn't believe there's enough money to keep it in, uh, to keep in the school. I just get worried about the general state because you see Oregon State football, they're doing well. You know that there's money in that program to keep people happy. I wonder about the fair share and if the rising tides really does raise all boats or if we're just giving losing more money to the football team because they're having such a good year. It, and right. And we're that's not, my conspiracy theory. I, I think it's possible. I what I think doesn't really matter a lot. You know, no one's saying I have a very strong understanding of this. The one thing that could make this a bit of a blessing in disguise is that it's opening up a conversation and it's perhaps making more people aware that might have some money that they want to contribute to this. And if that's the case, let me know. I'll put you in touch with someone that would happily take a bag from you if you want to say, I want this to go towards the men's basketball program. I mean, the, the founder of U-Haul, Leonard Schoen, step up for the Beavers right now. You mean to tell me the guy that started U-Haul isn't a hoops guy at all? I don't know. Maybe not as much as he needs to be. And quite frankly, it might not take as much money as you think it would, by the way. It, no, it probably doesn't. Um, and it is, I will say, I looked up, I did a little bit ranking, or I looked in some rankings. The top NIL money, you know, that's really being thrown around. It isn't even really about how good you are at the sport. It's about Instagram influencers. Like the 10 highest paid players, according to Rookie Road, are going to be Bronny James, number one. So Borderline four-star recruit. I mean, but it's obvious why he commands that much. Right. Angel Reese, the um, Baton Rouge Barbie, the LSU player, famous for taunting Caitlin Clark. Yeah. Um, Hansel Emanuel is third. He's the one-armed basketball player who plays for Northwestern State. In, in fucking rules. Yeah, he's good. Too. Then Shakir O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's son, who plays for Texas Southern University. Can I make a hot take really quick? Mm -hmm. Like Hansel Emanuel is closer to being as good as Brody James than most people would realize. Than most with, people would care to admit. Yes, with one arm. Again, he, the, the second one's functionally useless on a basketball court. It's, it is amazing to watch. Yeah, it is very cool. And then the fifth one is Zach Eady. So you have to go through four, and I guess, I mean, they're Zach Angel Reese. Zach Eady's seven and a half feet tall, and he's been in college like five years now. Like, he didn't enter the draft because of it. I yeah, and he was the national player of the year. But, I mean, it gets to him before you run into an impact men's player. Angel Reese is obviously a huge impact player on the woman's side. But you get to fifth before you even get the national player of the year. So 
NIL is tricky. Maybe Oregon State should start a TikTok page. Maybe we should put some more money into going viral, something like that. I don't know. I really don't. But that's kind of the general state of the state of the state. Get creative with it. And again, I'll say this a second time. It might not take as much money as you might think it would to make a difference in, in this specific area. And I, I think you and I are steadfast that when Wayne Tinkle and his staff are playing apples to apples, he can compete with anybody in the country. Or just get ask, give us one or two apples. Exactly. It's a bag full of, I know it's a bag full of oranges because that's on brand, but a couple times you need apples. Have a bit more budget, money in their budget to get some apples than other people. All right. Well, here's something to get you excited. I don't love ending on that metaphor, but I do think it is fairly fitting though. (laughs) Yeah. No one's going to say that's not fairly fitting. Um, here, well, here's this. How, how about I get you excited about the apples in your own bag right now? Your own Hell little yeah. bag of apples. Here's something that I'm kind of keen in on. And a lot of people are going to push this aside and say, Andy, you're being positively toxic or, or toxically positive is the phrase. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not positively toxic, huh? Um, toxically positive. But I do think there is something to this. So the Beavers posted a 3.46 team GPA. This is breaking as of today. For the spring term, okay? That's the highest team GPA in the last 15 years, the highest GPA this term for any men's sports team, and the third straight term the team has recorded a program high GPA. So what this tells me is that you've got kids who are taking stuff seriously at school, working hard. It points to work ethic to me. They're so young to start. I was telling you earlier, I can see a world where, and it all depends on Jordan Pope since he's coming back. If he can have a big sophomore jump, and I threw on the words uh, Cunningham, right? You're, you're Dante like Cun- Jared Cunningham. Jared Cunningham yes. saying, if you can get a big sophomore jump from Jordan Pope, then you see Retai and Bilodeau make progress as sophomores. You see uh, Casey Abekway make progress. That's a hell of a front line right there. You know all these kids are workhorses by their team GPA. Who do you think is the smartest player on the team? We we can't figure it out. Yeah, we were given the opportunity to guess and told uh, by by the team tutor, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and told that we did not get it. So I'm trying to avoid using the same people. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on the subject to Rodriguez and Dimitri Rivni for graduating. That's a big deal, of course. So I'll go with one of them. I'll say it's Rodriguez. He speaks multiple languages. That's so does Reevney. Either one of them, I think, is and and he's a graduate. There so. you go. I was going to go retire also for the multiple languages. Multiple factor. languages mm-hmm. thing. I feel like Germans speak a, a lot of languages. Yes, all of them. All of them do. All right, so that's why you should get excited about the apples in your own bush. Well, also we're bringing back people who were not very healthy for much of last year in Christian Wright and Justin Rochel, and a knock on wood because it's been a while, but. They were tougher when they had Shoal Mariel those first nine games. As as much as he could be frustrating at times, they Shoal's coming back. Yes, and Shoal makes it a rock fight. He at least, at least makes it something to look at. <laughs> yeah, he's fun to watch out there, if nothing else. So there's plenty to feel good about. Who knows what they do with this final available scholarship? Yeah, I think honestly, this I think the team, despite losing Glenn Taylor, this is my hot take. Despite losing Glenn Taylor with the roster they have now, they will be better next year. And it's not that's not a knock on Glenn Taylor at all, because I think if they'd kept him, they would have been even better. But I think it's gonna be 
Pope taking a leap offensively and then just really developing the defense that now that you have two years in the same system, two years of the same guys. And obviously because of the team GPA, they're smart, which means they'll understand rotations better. There's a lot of general size. So I think next year you could really legitimately turn into rock fights and say, we just got to give Pope a chance. Pope gets the 25. We got a chance. Let's, let's keep going down this rabbit hole a little bit. You think about the 11 wins they had last year. Now add in the fact that they were ahead against Arizona state three times in the second half, every time they played them. All, I won't, I'll ignore the, the robbery by officials because it's not, it doesn't even need to be part of my narrative right now. You lose to Oregon on a buzzer beater. That was an NIT final four team. Um, you lose to Duke by three. And if you're awarded jump balls and get a bounce on one more three-pointer, you probably win that game in regulation. I'm forgetting another one. You used to lose to USC by one point. That's another div- uh, tournament team. It was right there last year. You're just talking about developing guys. And, yes, losing Glenn Hurts. But I just feel like so many of those games that they couldn't quite close last year, it, they're, they're going to finish those next year. And I kind of want to take another approach too, just to add on, since we're going down the rabbit hole. This is not what Austin asked for, <laughs> by the way, when she this, called us toxically positive. This is another turn down the rabbit hole. The Pac-12 will be fundamentally much worse wide next year. Wide open. Much worse next year. The most wide open it's been in the last four years. I don't see a true contender in there. Maybe USC early on separates from the pack. Maybe Washington Ari- State's going to be bad. Arizona State lost everybody. UCLA probably pretty mid. Yeah, it's no, it's it's going, it's wide open. Um, Ducks losing people less than right. Nobody wants to play for Altman anymore. So you know, I don't know. The Beavers improving. Rest of the Pac-12 deproving. They meet in the healthy midline. You get yourself in a position to go on another little run. Maybe get to the NIT. Maybe sniff the NCAA tournament here. We don't want to put any ceilings on anything in in, in er, or late June, rather. All right, so that's my those are my hot takes after the – I feel better now. You're right. We did need to sit down and talk it out because we both started off very sad, and now we're back in a classic beaver, beaver stance of attack. I feel better, too. I think that's the best way to – you know, we've been thinking about these things. It was verbalized, and now we're sort of back on track, as mm-hmm. they say. Sometimes you just need to sit down and talk it out, Beaver Nation. That's what angrybeaves.net doesn't understand. <laughs> no, sitting alone in a room behind a desktop is not the way to go about it. It's much more pure orange style. Shout out to pure orange. I've come around on pure orange. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the private Facebook group for Oregon State fans where you're not allowed to complain. That's truly where I want to be buried when I die. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, you said you had some bygone beavers? I've got some. We haven't done this in a while, but uh, it's, I'm excited to get back to it. Uh, always love a good bygone beaver. The first one, we've done a bygone beaver on this individual before. A legend in Beaver Nation. He ate popcorn with you during halftime of a game he was playing in. Joe Burton is still out here getting buckets on the pro level. He will be playing for ALM Evero in France this coming season. He's got to be like 36 years old now, right? I wonder if he's 35. He's got a score on, no, he's, yeah, maybe like 33, 34. He, I wonder if he scored on Victor Wembanyama. Can't you just see him giving the business just to Victor? Pulling just, him out of the way. Just too heavy, too low of gravity for Victor to stay in front. Yeah, he. I bet if you know those those low lights that the players' weaknesses. I bet he's in a compilation of those for Wemby somewhere. The French league is actually really cool. I mean, the team that Victor Wembanyama played in the championships was helmed by Mike James. Yeah, another friend of the pod, right? I don't know that he, Joe is in the same league as those but i bet he, i think he's played in it before 
but yeah, don't put a ceiling. I on mean, Joe. and you're right. He he's my age, so he's like 33, 34, but not a guy you would watch as a 19 year old and think that guy will be playing professional basketball well into his 30s. I mean, my last memory of Joe is when he dunked the ball at the rec center and shattered the backboard, and then we couldn't play basketball for two weeks <laughs> while they ordered and installed a new backboard. The shack of the mid Willamette Valley. It's not a large area. The shack of the rec center. I mean, if anyone was going to wreck the backboard at Dixon, you'd want it to be Joe Burton. Or Would you, Joe. though? <laughs> I'm Okay, yes. If you're in the middle of the game, it's more frustrating. It's much funnier for me than you, or a football player, I guess. Yeah, I'd rather have Sean Mannion do it after they lose the Civil War game. Did that happen? Did he go hoop right after they lost the Civil War? No, but I think if he did, they'd still be uh... – People would just, yeah, not even be that night. That would be a Sean Mannion move. That was a wholesome dude. He was. Shout out to his sister. It was always a buddy of mine. Um, all right, anything else? Any other body gun bees? Oh, yes, I do. Two? I have another former player. Uh, I don't have as much info on this one, but uh, to <laughs> Mr. Jack McGillis, former – Mr. Basketball for the state of Montana, Trace Tinkle, was not the first one we plucked. Jay John got one, too. Uh, a favorite of mine, but... Um, you actually have a Jack McGillis jersey. That's what led me to think of, of, to check in on him, yes. But you and I went to, shout out to Back to the Basket on Hawthorne Boulevard. It, one of the more shocking, it's a basketball vintage store. They've got lots of jerseys, but... Didn't make me any less surprised they had a Jack McGillis and Sausachewich game-worn jersey. What fate that we were the people that found those. And so I grabbed the, the McGillis one. He recently got married. Uh, there's not a lot of info online about him, but he and his wife, uh, Katie, I believe, um, they used one of those, like, registry sharing sites. Don't reveal your online. sources. No, no, no. This is just Google. I, 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 yeah, this was not me digging deep. But So congratulations to Jack and Katie. and uh, A winner on the court, a winner off the right. court. If, if anybody knows him, and you can tell him he can have his jersey back for what I paid for it, I think that's fair. All right. Um, do you want to talk any NBA draft buzz on the way out? Anything about the Pac-12 that you want to get going? I, I, were you happy with the Pac-12s showing in this past draft? I think there's a lot of Pac-12 scouts, and they know that nobody else watches them, so that you see so many Pac-12 players drafted pretty high in the second Yeah, round. Well, it makes sense that the Hornets had one. Like, the Hornets they got a guy that just is like, yeah, I mean, I'll live in Vegas and watch <laughs> all the West Coast games and get drunk on Jordan's dime mm -hmm. because they, they got two within, like, three picks of each other, right? That's what I wanted to highlight. I wanted to say that, you know, obviously a lot of people have been kind of falling in love with Jaime Hawkins Jr. And I do want to say that I totally predicted him going to the Heat at 18. I Andy that. called that a tough luck bar and grill around like pick three of the draft. I was, I was selling it to time. Seth days before. Um, it just made too much sense. So he kind of became the darling of the draft. You know, a lot of people like to talk to him about because he was so opposite of most people who could draft it. They're just like, look at this built role player. He'll get 15 minutes a game for the Heat next year. No it really problem. was like whenever the Jazz have a pick around 10 and they take the best white American player in college. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a good fit. Yeah, so he felt – In air quotes. He was kind of the star. But I think the best Pac-12 basketball player who got drafted was Muhammad Gay, who went to the Charlotte Hornets. I thought that was a big score for him because there was a lot of talk of him not going drafted. I didn't see him hardly on any boards. You know me. I'm a huge Muhammad Gay fan. He can shoot it. He can pass. He's athletic. When he tries hard – Forget about it. Incredible upside, and yeah, they'll they'll beat that into him in Charlotte. He'll be with. Brandon. Oh yeah, if there's one thing that Charlotte knows, it's effort. It, right, with Brandon Miller there too <laughs> to push him in practice every day. My goodness. 
Um, and then I'll like to see Amari Bailey there too. I'm a big believer in Amari Bailey. In the Pac-12 tournament, seen him up close. He passes the eye test. Let us never forget that he dunked on Tabellus so hard in the game. Was it Ballo or Tabellus? I think it was Tabellus, was it not? Yeah, well, Tabellus, speaking of on the other side of things, he had a rough draft night. But um, I either way, the worst offensive foul call in the history of basketball goes against Amari Bailey. That was incredible. Yeah, and I think it's part of the reason why Tabellus didn't get drafted. I mean, it should be. Um, okay, nice little draft talk. All right, any shout-outs on our way out of here? I've got a couple shout-outs. Um, we were talking about Coach Shelton earlier. We owe his homie Stevie a proper shout-out. If I, We may have given him one already, but if if so, he gets one again. You're the man, Stevie. Thank you for helping hook us up with, um, you know, probably won't get Coach Shelton on now, but helping get Jordan Pope on for us. Um, we still love you. You're still part of Beaver Nation. In my mind, you're still a Peyton head, even though we're sorry to see your friend move on but also some happy birthdays uh justin roshlands was just the other day and then jordan popes was on the sixth which is also my birthday so that was a fun little little bonus for me happy birthday to you two gemini kings yeah that was the best birthday present you got and i'll echo the shout out to stevie stevie's really cool i like texting with him he's a funny guy um i'm gonna start wearing the the headband that jordan always wear i probably won't pull it off as well no, actually, I think that would legitimately be a good look for you. True, because I have the receding hairline. I mean, maybe we'll give it a shot. <laughs> check us. Check for the stands next year. We'll, we'll rock it at a couple of games. <laughs> I need to make myself easier to find. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, and I just want to shout out Coach John Calipari because it was the NBA draft last night. He was there with his guy um, getting drafted by the Thunder. He's always a draft night. I like Coach Cal. I go against the grain. I like Coach Cal. I think – that <laughs> you don't you never really offer specific reasons i think i like coach cal just because he's so uh he just seems so funny i feel like he's the funniest coach out there and i like that he is a podcast or a radio show he does when they're doing well but when they're he doing bad he because he's busy yeah whenever they lose more than one game in a row mm -hmm. so he's got a lot to like and you know that anthony davis team that'll always be an all-time college basketball team so he'll always be tied to the greats and I also want to shout him out because there's plenty of rumor, like I said earlier, about him poaching U of O assistant coach for his last uh, spot on Kentucky bench. You always love to see that. Love to see a duck get poached. Shout outs to Texas Tech as well for offering a bigger bag to Devin taking, Cambridge. Taking Devin Cambridge. U of O, people are fleeing U of O. Quincy Garrier out, uh, Cambridge out. They're looking, Khalil Ware out. Their front court's looking Mighty thin. Hopefully, and Volley Dante stays healthy for a whole year. Which and is, this is damn near July. Like, this is not the time you want to be losing people. And it's going to be a lot of shell tad putting up jumpers. So, good luck with that. That yeah. almost won the state championship in Oregon this year. People forget that Josiah Lake beat Jackson Shellstad in the state championship, which is, I mean, I would argue the biggest game in either one of their lives. I mean, you can say it's the scrimmages that Shellstad plays in, but the Leshwab championship game. Our guy has a ring. <laughs> That's right. And you know what else has a nice ring to it? Fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. All right. Go Bees forever. See y'all very soon.